Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, people, you know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band. It means, yes, another episode of Unfiltered commences right here and now. Officially, this will go down as episode 112 as we are in October Unfiltered live here. You can find us daily throughout the World Series and the conclusion of the season here in baseball 2022 at noon Eastern all across social media. My Twitter at Casey Stern believes YouTube, my YouTube channel, which you can find in my Twitter bio. And as always... You should be buying over at the Believe Shop, hopping on board with the merch, and however else you can jump on the Unfiltered Revolution. Get in my Twitter to find out more. Thank you, Unfiltered Band, and we have more. It's been a busy few days, and we've got another few still to go. Unbelievably, finally, because we've been doing this all week, we sit here with uh, one more night before we get to the night, the World Series, the Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies, Segura and the Phils waiting so long that if you didn't see over on uh, Twitter yesterday and Instagram, they had it out that Gene was sitting there and uh, got on the plane instead of a suit. He was all suited up, actually, like in jersey attire, ready to get out there on the field, in the infield down in Houston, where they'll be at Minute Maid tomorrow night for game number one of the World Series between the Astros in the Phils. We've got such a, a great deal to cover here on this show today. Jeff Blum going to be with me in a few minutes. Also, Gibby will be here, the longtime manager of the Jays, John Gibbons. If you missed it, the last time he was on a week ago, when we found Gibby, he was uh, in bed with his wife at his in-law's place. So will he be in a sauna, a kitchen cooking uh, who knows where? Hopefully it'll all be uh, PG rated because it is a family show after all. And it is a show that is presented, as always, by our good friends at Bet Online, And we thank them for that. And we let you know that, once again, basketball is back. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always get the latest odds, the team matchup info, player news, and game trends with Bet Online as your continued source for all your sports wagering information. Bet Online's got live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether it's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Get over to betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag and join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. However, you got to make sure to use this promo code. It's BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive all of your rewards with BetOnline where the game starts as we get started. We'll do a lot of World Series preview today. Obviously, that's why we're here. But I want to hit a couple of other things we're going to get into. Uh, if you missed it, the report that Andy Martino of SMY had out yesterday about maybe some Yankee players, uh, you know, uh, saying boo-hoo about the boos. We'll get into that. We'll also get a chance to talk about, because we keep all Stearns together, regardless of the spelling, uh, David Stearns. I'll get into that a little bit. Big news, obviously, one of, the more highly regarded you know, folks in any hierarchy in any front office in baseball with the job that he's done with what little money they've had to play with in Milwaukee with the Brewers. Uh, we'll get a chance to chat and talk about what this means for him. Could he be possibly on his way to Queens to join the New York Mets and Steve Cohen, who certainly are looking for somebody in that kind of a position with Sandy Alderson himself stepping down out of that element of the team 
now just a part of it in a different manner. We're part of it with you a number of ways. As always, I tell you, you can join us in the chat live at any time. It's really simple. If you're watching us on Twitter, you'll see I'm even chatting with you along the way during the show, as I did just now. You could jump in, give your comments. Also could do so by just popping it open over on uh, Believe's YouTube or my own as we get a chance finally, now a day away to say tomorrow, the World Series will finally begin. What Super Bowl four hours? We've had five days to wait for this whole thing. And the we, if you're not on the Astros or the Philly side, it's kind of easy because we're covering it from afar. If you're sitting there and digging into it, it's even more difficult to try and get sleep and wait and wait and wait. As the great late uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreaker said, the waiting is the hardest part. So why not bring them in here as we get Blummer on board to start us off? And you know, Jeff, obviously, you know, first of all, yeah, we talk so much about layoffs, right? And you and I got into discussing that a little bit in the conversation about that at the beginning of this postseason. Both teams dealing with this, but what's the most difficult part for the players right now on both sides going through all these days of waiting as if it is a Super Bowl kind of a wait before the World Series? So the, the Astros have actually had the opportunity to address that, having that second round or that first round by playing in the second round of the division series and i'm sure they explored some options take some live swings and and all of that is good and great but at the same time i'm trying to control the adrenaline is a little bit easier in practice than it is during a world series of pits here tomorrow but at the same time i always feel it's more difficult for hitters to to create the timing and create the intensity and control that heartbeat at the plate because you're not pumping maybe two, three miles an hour harder than he normally does. And pitchers, I think, have a little bit of an advantage. It's much like coming out of spring training where they have the opportunity to make sure they're pitching and then they're ready to go and start to go you know, after these hitters in, in those games. But I'm more curious to see how it affects the Philadelphia Phillies because the Astros have prepared for a series and the Phillies actually blew into the playoffs, you know, with the uh, clinching the second game before the end of the season. But they've cool off period. I wonder how that affects their offense that has been going so good. Yeah, and we talk about it, and I, I was talking about this yesterday with I had Matt Holiday on and was talking about his run in 2007, which kind of is reminiscent a little bit in this for people who don't remember that and just to kind of bring it back up because it is the Rockies and, and it's a while ago. But, you know, they win 20. They did better than the Phillies down the stretch. You know, he touched home plate. They win 21 to 22. It, you know, they did an amazing job. Home plate, by the way. I was there for game one on 63. <laughs> I, I, it is, it is always, as they they say, as they say, all that matters is what they, yeah, right. We go back and fix that. I, but you know, you know how it is. I mean, look, that team specifically, and I was around them at the time with MLB.com like every day. And I saw, you know, they went through that round. They were underdogs against the Phillies at that time who, you know, were a year on the precipice before they had that whole, obviously run that they made and they knocked them off. Then Brandon Webb and the Diamondbacks, and they break. And then there's that adrenaline dump. Everything we've been doing, every game seven we've been playing, Blumber's gone, right? Now we're all the way back to game yep. one. Every game's felt like a game seven for them. You talk about 
you know, simulating at bats and all those sorts of things. We always discuss in this thing I love from players, like slowing the game down. And what is that? How much harder is it when it's slowed down for you? I mean, in some ways, is it good that it's sped up the way it gets in a postseason? Yeah, I, I would actually, um, aren't, but the, you know, the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, you know, running into the, you know, the Braves who had that layoff, the Padres running into the Dodgers who had that layoff, and they both took advantage of Seattle who were coming in with momentum. And I, I think that's, you know, when, you, when you're, you're moving at that pace and you're, you're comfortable in that environment, in that arena, constantly on the road or even at home in front of your crowd where the expectation expectation level is so high but at the same time your your eyes are ready your mind is ready your heart and rhythm to a baseball life and that's what these guys thrive on especially hitters when you do when you try and develop the timing you try and develop the rhythm get the hands in the right place to fire pick the ball and then all of a sudden, like you said, you do hit, hit the brakes and you kind of have, have that that opportunity to take that breath. Sometimes you just, just want to keep running as fast as you can instead of taking that, that break. And now you got to ramp things back up and not just ramp things up. You're going, going into a hostile environment in Minute Maid Park on the biggest stage on the planet in baseball. You're the only, only two teams left. Now, that environment, I don't want to upset Astros fans who obviously, you know, you're part of the, uh, you know, the team for a while as a player and covering it a long time. I don't expect them, you know, where I'm going because that part didn't affect you in game three going back in 2005. Uh, so you've been on the other side and I want to hit a lot of Astros up, but let, let me first go there and take the other other side of it. What, what do you remember about that AB and just kind of that moment? Was it slower at the time? Than you thought it would be? Did it happen so fast that you have to almost kind of watch highlights after that blumber to kind of figure out what goes on in that 14th inning? For those of us who have never stepped in that spot and watched these home runs like Harper just hit, what what do you remember all this time later now about that AB, which ended up helping Astros fans cover your ears, really put them away in that series? Yeah, it was an interesting time. I actually, you know, I had a bat I had it in the World Series, so it was a lot of preparation in between. It was a lot of cage time, but I remember coming in, you know, I came in in a double switch in the previous inning for Tati Potential, or he was the World Series MVP that season. Paul Konerko was having a great World Series. So in my preparation, when I was standing in the hole behind uh, Jermaine Diamond, in my only big league, you know, World Series appearance, so there was a little bit of trepidation and panic in my heart because I'm as easy as bunting sounds. It's not that easy, you know, about as fast as a, a tortoise getting from first to second. So I was like, man, I got to lay down a perfect bunt to move this guy. And and uh, love, love peak hitting on deck, going, going, yep, this is gonna happen. And uh, the Astros actually made a pretty good turn on Paul Konerko in a double play to, to Morgan Ensberg, to Vizcaino, and over to first base. <laughs> as oddly as it sounds, 
washed over me because I said, oh, dear God, I get to swing the bat instead of trying to lay down a bunt. And uh, I knew Ezekiel Stoddard had a very good book on how to pitch me. So I stepped in and I told myself I'm going to take until I get a strike. First pitch ball, a little more relaxed. Pitch ball two. And I said, okay, two sinkers well off the outside corner. They're going to try and stay away. And all of a sudden, my brain kind of settled down and I was able to step out, think about it, go and drive me in. So my idea was actually to see the ball as long as I could, let it travel, go the other way, not try and do too much. So I was really relaxed that I was in a good hitter's deal, misses his spot by a good and a half and I just reacted you know that down an in spot for me as a left-handed hitter was uh, my happy zone and uh, I was able to come through my head you know matchups and that was one obviously you know you're not you're preparing for but you don't know and even in the at-bat as you broke down right it switches when we get ready for a series like this as I kind of turn the page to what we're looking forward to mm-hmm. tomorrow I think about matchups and I want to get into yeah. a couple of them that I think are just huge in this series. And to me, it's, it's, I'm calling the Alva matchup. It's, it's Alvarado Alvarez because Jordan is not a guy who's a normal lefty against lefties. And then it's David Robertson because of how good he is against lefties being that other guy who I think is going to mm-hmm. see a lot of Jordan Alvarez because there's only going to be so much of the game. You may have a sixth inning and an eighth inning, let's say, and you never know. Rob Thompson, the way he manages, and I love it, he's aggressive. Maybe backwards. You may He may go to Alvarado thinking the at-bat in the sixth <laughs> is the biggest one, and then it's Robertson in the ninth who ends up having ha- that A-B. How about those guys against Alvarez and just how huge that is, Bummer, here, this matchup in this World Series? Well, I, I think you bring up an interesting point in, in, in Alvarado because you have Alvarado and Dominguez, two of the, their best relievers in that bullpen. They've been fantastic throughout the, the postseason and that he can. If it's later in the game, it's later in the game. But if you have an Alvarez, John Alvarez at the plate in that sixth inning with a runner on or a couple of runners on, and the situation, like you're saying, is, is it going to be in the sixth? Is it going to be in the eighth or ninth? How do you use those guys? And I, I think that you know, it depends on the score of the game. Obviously, maintain the integrity of that game and give your team an opportunity to come back back later. But I, I agree with you. That's the one matchup between those two guys that you're going to have to key on because that for Jordan Alvarez and the way and even going back to the bottom part of the order, the way Chaz McCormick and Martin Maldonado have done a good job of getting on bases. What that's done is for Alvarez to do damage. And I think those guys at the bottom part of the order, if they can continue to get on base and frustrate pitchers and force traffic with Alvarez on base, you're going to see Alvarez get something later if they don't come through. You know, on, on the other side, we're talking Jeff Blum, on the other side, the Astros are so deep. The funny part about them, we talked about this a week ago, and I was saying this to Stan to Mike Stan a couple of days ago. You know, I, I don't remember ever, even in the years that he had with the Yankees back in like the late 90s where their bullpen would have like eight guys. As I said to him, Ramiro Mendoza would be in there for garbage time, and he could have pitched an eighth inning somewhere else. I mean, that's how good they were and so deep. 
But the Astros may be the deepest staff in yep. the 20 years I'm covering this game that I remember being in, in a postseason. They got answers, Jeff, to everything. Bryce Harper, though, has answers to everyone, right? I mean, he's just a different beast. And unlike Aaron Judge, who, yep. look, had a historic season, Aaron Judge didn't come into that series on a on a heater, as you would say, right? To use my guy B.A. and Brian Anderson, right? He didn't. Bryce Harper coming in, hitting everything. That's an MVP who's playing yep. now and walking in. Layoff maybe hurts, but like an MVP. Is the attack any different with Harper versus anyone else the Astros have faced in terms of I'm going to do this differently to not let that guy beat me? How much of that do you think plays a factor into the thinking of Dusty and the staff? I, I think it impacts it a great deal. You know, Will Smith, the left-handed pitcher out of the bullpen, hasn't been on the roster for the first two series, and the reason for that is, is because the Seattle Mariners in, uh, in that bullpen and in the rot rotation other than Framber Valdez, and then you get to the New York Yankees like you're talking about, a high swing and miss, high power, high slug with the matchup of right on right, where you're going to run into the issue, and I think that's where this series is going to get very interesting, is the Kyle Schwartz Harper at bats and the Bryce Harper at bats. Obviously, Rivers are going to compete. They've been doing it all season long. But what, like you said, what do you do when you do get into the latter part of the game? Those starters are out, and Dusty and Josh Miller, where the, those innings are that you bring in certain guys to face a Bryce Harper because he, much like Alvarez, for the Houston Astros. Astros is a damage guy. If you have guys on base, you got uh, Ryan Stanek who has reverse splits. He has an elevated fastball in the upper 90s. And then you have a changeup. So I would imagine that, you know, if Will Smith's not on there, it's a Ryan Stanek. He's got one of the best changeups coming out of that bullpen for Dusty Baker. And he's been fantastic in high leverage situations. So I think those two guys. Before you get to Ryan speed pitch that can offset some left-handed hitting. And how about the fact, getting to the closer, Ryan Presley, it was about maybe his last four or five appearances. All of a sudden, all the power slider, the fastball, is he's actually instituted a change up. And it kind of makes you wonder, is that a pitch that he would be able to utilize against a Schwarber or a Bryce Harper late? in the game you know yeah i think you know Blubber, there's two things here that that i also because knowing dusty and both know him well i mean here's a guy who two things with dusty one i i know because i remember talking to him during the years he, he knows how good bryce is he saw it firsthand he had him right and that's gonna play i mean people think like oh well it doesn't matter because like he knows how great Aaron Judge is, but it does especially for a guy like dusty it does because he knows what that dude can do no and doubt. he knows him in here he knows him in here. He was there before those at bat. He he's up, he's not going to be afraid, but he's going to be more careful with Harper than he was with Judge. And people might think that sounds crazy, but there's a difference there. And here's where I'm curious to see how this pans out. You and I both know, and I could go back to you know Granky on the mound and and Maldi Maldonado you know, telling Dusty he's good and leaving him in in that postseason a couple of years ago. 
Dusty is a guy who's a feel guy. He's not an analytics-driven guy. He's going to leave pitchers in there. Valdez, after you know everything happened with the uh, PFP that went wrong you know, in, in the middle of the last series, goes 6-7 anyway, right? But what about <laughs> a third time through? I know it's not a Dusty thing. It's a league thing. But when you got Verlander and Framber Valdez third time through and Harper is sitting there, and Dusty knows Bryce, knows the adjustments, knows what he looks like at the plate, probably can manage his body language as a as opponent better than anybody else because he's seen it. I can't wait to see, does he adjust and maybe where normally he'd leave a guy in because of Bryce, maybe make a change to give him a different look, even with a Verlander or a Valdez in a sixth, seventh inning? Yeah, I actually enjoy this conversation because Dusty, is a little bit of that old school where he will let his starters extend them, leave them out there as long as he could. And then you also have Lance McCullers in that clinching game in New York where he was getting roughed up, didn't have his A-plus stuff, but he rode him out as long as he possibly could. He was starting pitcher a little bit, but at the same time, like you said, this is the beauty of, of going through a regular season where analytics can help you out in the long Long run, but when you're playing these short, brief series, all savvy or intuition, and Dusty does have a little, has a ton of insight into his own guys, but he also has a little bit of insight into what makes Bryce Harper tick a little bit. And there's a role of veterans, you know, managers like a Rob Thompson who's on the other side also, who's embracing some of the numbers. But then you have Dusty on the other side who just realizes that he's got a you know, a pretty healthy guys to go out there and prove themselves, give them the W. But uh, I'm kind of curious to see how it works out too. I can't. I don't think you can anticipate what Dusty's going to be able to do because Dusty's got his own thoughts in his mind. And, and you're right. And his feel of Bryce is different. That's why it's going to be fun to watch because normally it's the feel of your own team. But he kind of mm -hmm. gets it there. At last one, and I'll let you run. Um, you know, Wheeler and Nola are both when they're on nasty right now. The Ooh. Astros have faced great pitching before they, they've, they faced great pitching in world series before when you think of the Altuvis and the Bregmans and they faced it last year. Um, what was your take on Nola getting the game one start and that flip, if you will, to kind of get Nola back out there would have had the longer layoff and to put Wheeler in game two. I know the Astros hitters don't care who they face, but what's your take from the other side, kind of seeing that switch from Rob Thompson? I, I, I think if you were able to evaluate each pitcher individually, I think Nola is a movement guy. He's a, he, he does have velocity in the lower to mid-90s. And, and if you go back to his last start of the regular season, it was against the Astros. And I think he went six and two-thirds perfect game in Minute Maid Park. So there's a little bit of a feel there saying, okay, he had an excellent movement on his pitches and he kept them off balance. And I think that's where you might move him up a little bit and try and rely on his movement. Because sometimes fatigue can make that ball actually move, locate that pitch on the outside corner like he was in that last start against the Astros in the regular season. It's going to make it very, very tough because what that sinker does is it splits the plate and then the outside with that slow breaking ball. So it creates kind of a matchup issue with all the right-handed hitters in that 
lineup. And, and then you give the extra day rest to a guy like Zach Wheeler, who was a hot. So you, you want that arm fresh. You want it juiced. You want it ready to go to be able to go out there. But I think the Astros are going to use these couple of days to go to school a little bit, see what they, it's a little bit closer in their memory where that release point is and how that ball comes out of the hand of Nolan, maybe to help them pick it up a little bit sooner. But I would expect the Astros to be, they, they may work themselves some walks and try and frustrate those guys and get them out of the game with a high, high pitch count and try and get into that bullpen early against the Phillies. I think that would be the best attack plan for them. Love, I appreciate you, man. Enjoy this. I know it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a kind of insane and crazy environment in both places. And look, I mean, Philly, it's new. They haven't been there in a while, so getting a lot of credit. But I know how it is. And keep the roof closed. Forget about, you know, whether the balls fly out. It's just a better environment there. Uh, you know, it's it's noisier and crazier, which I think is better for the home team. Enjoy it, buddy. Appreciate this. And thanks for hopping on again. No, keep working Thank hard. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate Glad it. Glad to be on with you, man. Thanks. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate you. There he is, Jeff Blum, joining us here on the show. John Gibbons will be with me in a few. I want to hit something on Nola Wheeler that everybody who's watching better think about that is is not why they do this, but it is something that could be advantageous or something that becomes a big story in game one, and you hear it here but a day before, all right? Watch the way Rob Thompson has managed. He's an aggressive manager who sat in game three of the last series Managing, like, I don't care what happens in game four. I don't even know who the hell could throw in game four. I got Alvarado. I got Dominguez. I got them in there. I don't even know who's closing this game. Ended up being Eflin, right? Because I'm going to throw all my horses. And in game four, you didn't have Zach Wheeler at the time. He'd go in a bullpen game with Falter. And by the way, he faltered. They still, even though they gave up four runs, came back. But I want you to think about this. And I'm not saying this is why they did it. The Phillies are trying to win a series. I, I think they're pretty sure they're not going to sweep the Houston Astros the way they've played, the way Houston's played. Got to win one and then take it back to Philadelphia, right? Got to get one of the two. Having Nola start first allows you to manage the bullpen with all the, because this is not a, this guy's the sixth inning guy, that guy's the seventh inning guy, that guy's the eighth inning guy, and this guy goes in the ninth. It's not how this bullpen works. A lot of times in postseasons, they're successful teams. That is, it's not here. Not how it works for Rob Thompson, these Phillies. But now you can do that in game one. Why? Because I got Wheeler in game two. I got a Wheeler who had extra rest, even an additional day. I got Wheeler who had 86 pitches. We know it was dealing and could have easily continued on the last time that we saw him in a game, right? In game five of that last series, but did not. He's got a well-rested arm, hasn't been taxed, even now more rested, and I know the way that guy has dealt and the way he pitches, that even if it gives up too early somehow on a two-run home run when they're the boop or a blast, that I know Wheeler can go seven innings for me and get through it. But I know this about Aaron Nola. So do Phillies fans. So does Rob Thompson. So does that staff. That he's either going to be on or he's not. And if he's not, then I can go early. If I can get in a 2-2 game with Verlander in a fourth, fifth inning, I can go even there in a spot where Alvarez is coming up, put Alvarado in, give him 5-6, go 7-8 Dominguez, try and get Eflin to close to go steal a game. But if it doesn't work, I got Zach Wheeler in game two. Now, if I use Wheeler in game one, 
And I'm not saying this is why they did this, but this is advantageous and something to watch in how game one is managed for certain. All right? The aggressive nature, if you go with Wheeler, and for some reason he doesn't have it, or he can only give you five, and he gives up three, and he walks three, and it's just not there. Well, now what the hell you do? Because if you go aggressive, you now are thinking to yourselves, well, I got to get out of here with a win before I get back to Philly. I got no chance to win the series. Right? That's, that's, that's the way you look at it. It's the way it is. It's the way you look at the series beforehand. I got to get this game. I got to get a game before I go home. Well, Wheeler doesn't have it. What the hell am I going to do? Because I don't know what Nola could not have it tomorrow. I can't go to Suarez, not in this kind of series. I need him game three. I can't do those kind of things against this team. But having Nola in game one allows you to literally blow out your whole bullpen if necessary and then hand Wheeler the ball and say, you're going seven. Maybe you give up three runs. You only threw 86 pitches in a game. You were brilliant. The last two, three starts, you've been unhittable. I expect that from you, and you should, the way you've seen Wheeler pitch. And then we'll figure it out. I got three outs from a guy. Even if I got to go Alvarez for two outs and four to Dominguez or however you get the last six outs, right? But I can get there, and Wheeler can get me in a spot where I can get a lead, and maybe it's not even a save situation because I got Wheeler, I got Wheeler, I got Wheeler. Everything's circling back to that. Well, in game one with Nola, now Rob Thompson can manage that game so much more aggressively in game one, and you're going to see that than he would if Wheeler starts. Now, clearly... Two things are a non-issue or make it such. One, Nola gives up five runs in the first. Nobody can. You got to obviously go in elsewhere, right? Nola's up five nothing after six seven scoreless. You don't need it, but the ability is there now for Rob Thompson to come in, have those answers, and to be uber aggressive in that spot in game one because it's going to be Nola in game one and Wheeler in game two, and that's something to watch in how that game is managed in that bullpen in game one and game two of this series because. We've talked about this ad nauseum, and it is the biggest factor in this series. All the momentum, the top flight pitching at the front end, Bryce Harper, what Schwarber's doing. I mean, look, there's a lot of lot of things to love about what Philly's given you, right? But the, the, the difference in the depth of the pitching staffs between the two is way bigger than any 19 wins in a regular season nobody cares about anymore. It's way bigger than a layoff that's about even. It's a big difference in the depth of those pitching staffs, and that's something now that I think you get to be more aggressive with, and I'll ask about that, the managing and much, much more, to a guy who the last time we saw him was in his bed, and now I feel like, now I feel like, he, I mean, what, we went to the office? I guess we're back from the in-laws, as our guy Gibby is with us, John Gibbons. <laughs> Gibby, what happened? You went home? Yeah, but, hey, I've, I've been like on a whirlwind tour. Don't ask me what I've been doing, but yeah, it's like, Hey, you well, know, you when can't say that. If you life, say don't you know? ask me what I've been, if you say don't ask me what I've been doing, that's like telling kids in a horror movie don't go down the stairs or don't go in the basement. So what? what so now I got to ask you, what, what have you been doing? Well, you know how the baseball life is, right? That you know what you're you're always on the move. So I wouldn't know what to do if I stayed in one place too long. Well, right? that's true. That's true. That's true. It's good to have you. You welcome back home. Um, yeah. And how was how was the in laws? Was fun? Good time? Tolerable? Yeah, great guy. Yeah, good. Yeah, good people. My wife. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, but you, plus you got you got to make the wife happy. You know how that works. You know. Yes. Yes. I didn't do that successfully. That's why I'm I'm not married. But I but I I understand how that goes. I you look. Well, I, hey, well, I got, I'm divorced. This is my second marriage. I found me a sweetheart. But yes. Yeah, so okay. There you I, go. There's hope for me after all. I I want to I want to ask you a number of things as we get into this series and we're talking to our guy john gibbons let, let me start here and that is and i was just talking about this nola's going game one and wheeler's going to get game two 
And watching Rob Thompson manage in the last series, he was so aggressive. Like in game three of that last series, Gibby, he's going to Alvarado in the sixth and the seventh and Dominguez. He didn't even know who'd close. He got, I got to get that game, right? That urgency. How much now more can he manage that way with Wheeler as that game two guy? I think about when Andy Pettit used to pitch all those game twos for the Yankees when they were so good. And you would just know you can kind of blow out that pen, do whatever, because that's the dude that's going to get you seven innings and you don't got to worry about the bullpen as a manager. How are you managing maybe a little differently with Nola now starting game one in terms of using your bullpen, knowing that Wheeler is sitting behind him in game two? Well, I think, you know, you're always aware of, uh, I can only example I can give you like when Roy Halliday was pitching, right? You would, it was, it wasn't postseason games with us, but you knew he was pitching, let's say, uh, tomorrow night. So he's going to probably give you seven unless something crazy out of the ordinary happens. So that this particular night today, we can do whatever we want, right? Uh, and that's in you can do that. You know, the uh, you know, you got you to win four games. You got to be careful early. You know, I mean, you got a couple games to play with. You know, I mean, everybody might not agree with that, but you you have to. You know, you can't burn everything up right away. And I think Tom's probably, you know, that you, you got to close out that game there. So don't let them back in this thing. That that kind of mentality. And uh, and those guys are hot too. You know, he can almost throw anybody out there he wants, and it's going pretty good. Um, uh, so it's a uh, it's a totally different game now, and you know it's managed differently. There's no doubt. And a lot of guys will, will start burning through their top guys earlier. Because if they don't, they're taking a lot of heat for it, where that never would have happened in the past. But back in the old days, starters uh, pitch longer, and everybody's surprised when you took those guys out, you know? Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about this. As a, as a member of, of the fraternity, how how good does it feel? And, and I wonder, I mean, do you think of it this way? Am I making too much of this? That you see a guy like Rob Thompson, you know, here's a, 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 a lifer, a, a baseball, you know, rat, X's and O's, but feel and feel of players and feel of people, right? Which is most important. And the moments, Dusty Baker, same thing. Brian Snitker, who's here a year ago, same thing. Buck Showalter, I know the Mets didn't get to the end, but same thing. And I could go on down the line. Bob Melvin, right? Even though he should have had Hater in. I'm not happy. And I love Bo Mel, but same kind of thing. How does it feel in the world? And I know that everything changes, right? We're not playing Atari anymore. But in a world where analytics have kind of taken over and people have forgotten human element, how good does it feel as a manager to see some of the guys who are more of the field guys and the baseball rat guys that are now managing these two teams in Dusty and Rob Thompson? Well, it tells me is, you know what, they, they, they fit in. You know, they're not, they're not dinosaurs now. And what they did, what they've always done, it, it has value, right? And it worked. It worked for a long time. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. I was, you know, we, you brought up Tom's. I was listening. I heard something today, and it was talk. He was talking about how he, one of the biggest change when he took over, he didn't make a whole lot of changes. But one thing he did when he took over Girardi is he kind of stabilized the the uh, lineup. Right? They were juggling guys here and there, and people will look at that. And people out, outside will go, "What's the big deal? It doesn't matter where anybody hits." I say, "No, that's wrong, because it's a psychological thing. It, you know, maybe it shouldn't matter, but it does. These guys want stability. So now that there's analytics, not going to tell you that because I had many a times, and I because I had some, I had some, uh, you know, some star players that were a little volatile. If you juggle the lineup, they're they're, they're pulling their hair out. They're going, "That's right. What are you doing?" And they're and they're blaming you. You know, so so it's it's uh it's a different animal, you know, and most people don't quite understand all that. Numbers are great. Numbers don't lie, but numbers have always been part of the game and always will be. But there's another side of it right here. Cause you know, what do we say all the time? 
you know, what's the difference between a great player and an average player? Right, right here, right? Oh, of course. That. And humans make the – Gibby, humans make the numbers. Humans yeah. are the ones, and their performance give us the numbers. And I'll give you an example, a guy you managed against – that is always the biggest example for me, for people who remember, and I'm not talking about the Red Sox version, but the Tampa Bay Rays version of Carl Crawford. Here's a guy who's fa- he was maybe the fastest person in the league when he's running the bases. He didn't hit leadoff. He hit second. And every right. time he hit leadoff, it didn't work. And every time they kept putting him back there, it didn't work. For whatever reason, that guy saw himself in two in the lineup. It's the same way as the reason why you get coffee where you get it or what socks you wear before an interview. <laughs> I always say this. Like, baseball players are not that different. They're just human. You're all just human beings, just like we are. We all got our routines of different things. Well, yeah. why'd you go this way, even though this way is shorter? Well, I feel more comfortable because I like driving through this neighborhood, whatever the hell it might be. It's the same way. The other part of it is, though, how good these two guys are, Gibby, at, at, at talking to their players and learning. Because Tom's had to get in there and look, Dusty, same thing. I mean, he's got a lot of young players. Everybody talks about, you know, the old Astro teams with the garbage cans. But outside of Altuve and Bregman, it's a lot of new guys. I mean, McCormick right. and Tucker and Payne, these are guys Dusty has had to kind of lead with and groom. But they're having conversations with humans, learning about what makes them tick. And I'll give you a, a line from a guy we know well. Leo Mazzoni told me, I did probably 20 years ago on the year, which I thought was great. He said that coaching to him was knowing where to blow smoke and where to light fire. And I thought it's a, like one of the greatest yeah. lines. Yeah. That's managing, isn't it? Yes. Get, you know, your, your number one job is, is managing. You know, uh, your GM puts a team together, right? Your job is to get the most out of these guys, whatever that takes. You know, it, it, uh, it, and because they, they hire them, whether it's analytics or what, they, they sign this guy because he does the numbers, numbers, numbers. He should do this every – he's been doing it every year. Well, if you don't – if he also you give him a big contract, he may lose that edge. He may, you know, uh, uh, more feel more pressure. He's not that same guy. So we go, oh, everybody goes, what happened? Okay, well, here's the human element side. The manager's job is to – whatever he's got to do, blow smoke or, or light fires to get him to where – Everybody thought he would be when they signed the guy for a lot of money, but but that's forgotten a lot in the game now. These guys, these guys, you know, if we if if these guys were robots, and you could guarantee a particular outcome. Outcome, it'd be easy, right? Well, you know, another decent. perfect example. You brought up Go Tampa Bay. Yeah, when the, when the Dodgers beat them in the World Series, right? Oh, Tampa? I remember it. Blake Snell, Snell, of course. Right? Right, yes. Okay. And I said to somebody, yeah. you know, I don't I don't ever question anybody because I know how easy that is to do and all that. But if you make that move years ago. I don't, you're in the world, so you get fired. Right? Oh, and you probably before the game's over in the exactly. office, you just don't know it yet. And nowadays, though, if you don't make that move, you get fired, whether it works or not. Well, well, also in that organization, as you know, that's kind of like this is how we do things. And that's part of the problem is like, I trust my guys, and this is how we do it. And all that's great. But then there's that feel and that urgency that you have to learn. I talk about this all the time, and I love Doc. You know, we, we allow players to learn, but we don't allow managers. I remember being there, Dave Roberts, the first time he's in a World Series. And in Game 7, you Darvish gave up five runs before Kershaw came in and threw four scoreless innings. And I know he'd like that back and would love to have pulled it, right? Because now normally it's you Darvish, but you can't. But he never managed that way again in a World Series, right? Buck Showalter was sitting there putting Ubaldo Jimenez in against the Jays instead of Zach Britton. But then he's got Diaz in a seventh inning when he's right. Guys adjust and learn. Managers are allowed to do the same thing. We've also seen players do the same thing. And I'm curious for you watching Bryce Harper in his career, a guy who to me had the LeBron James Gibby thing really in social media era. 
He's one of the only other guys who's lived LeBron's kind of life where you're 17, 18, and people are getting on him for blowing kisses after home runs or whatever it was down in the minor leagues. And and you know, Cole Hamels hits him and tells him to know his role. I didn't even know him. I mean, he was ridiculous, right? Oh, yeah, First time yeah. he hits him. What's it been like watching and what's impressed you most about now this Cooperstown path that Bryce is on? Well, you could tell from day one, you know, uh, you know, when the first time I saw him, he, he confident, overflowing with confidence, right? He, he knew he was good. Um, and he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, obviously. And, and you know, there's a lot of envy there, obviously, right? Uh, but then, you know, if you turn around and you produce, you produce when it counts, you know, and they, you know, the Phillies go and sign him for that huge contract, right? They want production, you know, and they, of course, he wins the MVP last year. And then this year he gets, you know, the big home run and everything he's doing right now. That's what they paid for, you know, and a lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys, it's not easy to step up and give them back what they paid for. Right. But he's one of those guys who can do it because he, that's his mentality. It's like LeBron, you know, the same, same type of thing, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to crush him. He's not going to lose his confidence the same way with Harper. You know, it's a different game. Obviously. And you got to be arrogant to be this yes. good. That's a, yeah. right. I mean, it's a, I, Chipper Jones said something to me a number of years ago. I did a uh, town hall with him down here in Atlanta in Decatur. And he said something to me that that really I always remembered that his, his father told him, and I can't remember, maybe it was it was before he got drafted, but about the importance of to be successful skating the line between arrogance and confidence. But you have to have some of both. People don't realize that. It's like, you know, the late Kobe Bryant, it's like Mamba mentality. It's it's success mentality. Real. If you don't think you're great at what you do, you're not going to do it well. Right? Yeah, it, I, mean, it's, I know it sounds, it's not that complicated, is it not? Right? No. And everybody's wired differently. But I can remember when I was playing and then now since I got into coaching, the thing that stood out to me, the great players, it's like they, they, they don't give a damn, right? They could care less, right? That's not true. They do. But it, if they fail or they, they strike out with the bases loaded one time or they, or they make an error or something, costly error, it doesn't destroy them. You know, they know, well, I'm going to get another shot at and I'm going to come through. That's their mentality. With the lesser guy, it's, uh-oh, you know, he can't let it go. You know, it's in, eating at him. The fans are on him. He's hearing every one of them, you know. So that's in it's a it's a mentality. Maybe that maybe there's actually something they're wired differently. But that that's you got to be confident in what you're doing, you know. And in because uh, we've seen many a, a player when they start to lose it, let's say what you see them kind of shrink a little bit, right? Well, like they can't do it. And there's a certain guys, you know, Jose Batista is a perfect guy. You couldn't tell him. He, I mean, good luck trying to tell him he can't do something, right? And he believed that whether he was right or wrong, he actually believed that he wasn't fake kidding himself. But there's something different about the great players, you know. And that's how he went from a guy who everybody else believed was a utility player to yeah. becoming what he became. I just uh, don't believe he should have. You, you don't mess with Odor is the only lesson that. that well, uh, <laughs> how many times have you ever seen that in baseball? A, a no, punch that okay. like that never. It, it, I've, it's the only time I've ever seen that. So you think when he came up from that slide, do you think he expected that? No, no of everybody. course not, because it's crazy. Um, no, I, I get that. Of course not. Of course not. I mean, I literally, I look, you know this as well as I do. Most of the scrums, guys are pulling their own shirts out of the way, so you don't want to fight each other. So no. Exactly. Nobody, nobody expected that. Uh, we're, the great Gibby John Gibbons is joining us. Um, I, I know you had, uh, and I think you had AA on recently, right, on your show, Alex. Yes, yeah, uh, two-parter, man. The other part's coming up this Monday. He's done such an amazing job with the Braves and is building that kind of Hall of Fame arc as a guy who, you know, managed teams. I mean, Dave Dombrowski has been around for so long. I mean, yes. you played against a number of teams that he's been a part of. 
is he getting enough credit? I feel like I know he's only there a couple of years, but I feel like he's not getting enough credit. It can't be an accident that you show up in the places in Miami and in Boston and Philly, everywhere he goes and teams get to where they get to in your mind, is he getting enough credit for just how much impact in a short time he's had on this Phillies team to get them here? No way he's getting as much credit as he deserves, you know, and he's one of the good guys too, you know, he, you know, he, and great hair, great hair, great. way better hair, way better hair than we have. Great hair. <laughs> <laughs> he probably, I think he dresses better too, man. Oh, he got great hair. I mean, I'm not, he's not messing around. Go ahead. So yeah, you know what? All you got to do is look at look at the track record. It speaks for itself, right? It's, it's like Anthopolis is doing, but you know, Nebraska's been doing everywhere he goes, right? Something good happens, and you know, maybe he he doesn't fit that modern day uh, mode of, of what they consider GMs, right? Maybe he's not as analytical, so they think, well, he can't be successful. No, he gets it. He understands. He gets it all. Now, he's, he's worked for some good organizations that have some, you know, some, uh, you know, resources, but it doesn't matter. He's got that touch, you know? He hires good people, you know, all those things. And, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. What It was in New York. He had been let go by the Red Sox, and I'd been let go by the Blue Jays. I was at a Broadway play, and I went up there to see my son, and I, and I look over and there's Nebraska sitting down at the end of the room going, kind of wait. <laughs> I don't really know him. So we're both out of work, you know. He actually went back to work. I, did, I never did, you know, but I thought, you know. So we think alike. <laughs> we like Broadway. Well, play. first of all, you're getting time after managing as long as you did in the game. You're getting time to actually breathe and smile and do stuff yeah. because it's a – it is a it's a thankless look, you're field goal kickers. I mean, that's the way it is. I mean, you're expected to you miss an extra point. It's the only thing anybody pays attention to. When you do it in New York, it's it's magnified. You know this, you played in New York. I mean, you manage against teams in New York forever. You know what that's like. You know what that cauldron is like. Uh, I know how much you love JD. And I, I said, you know, I don't think he wants to change his name to bring her a booze. But, you know, Josh was getting crushed there in that series. I know he didn't play well. He's harder on himself than anybody. You and I both know that. Right. You know, well, more, much more than I do. But I know that as well. Uh, how much you feeling for him, how tough that had to be for him in that spot to be 36 and be Josh Donaldson, the MVP who was who he was, still defensively terrific. But just know that he's not catching up to the ball the way he used to. He's swinging and missing at balls in the dirt that he used to laugh at and spit on and have that mean stare that we're all used to. How right. difficult do you think that had to be for him, a guy who knows him real well, obviously, in Donaldson? Oh, you know, it, was eating, it was eating him alive more than anybody, you know. Um, but if there's one guy that can handle it, and sure, yeah, it's, you know, we they get these reputations and, the, and you know, and in this, he's finished up his career in this town. It's tough, and they'll look at him. However, they'll judge him in the end. But mentally, he's not going to shrink. Uh, yeah, he, he had a, he had a rough series. A lot of guys had the rough series, you know. And he is getting older. There's, there's no no question about that. And uh, but that's part of it, you know. I, I think that I thought it was a great move when they picked him up because he's going to add a little toughness to him. And I and I think he did wonders in a lot of areas for him. Yeah, he's not the MVP guy, but you're not supposed to be, right? It, it, when you start getting a little bit older like that. But he it, this won't crush him. I think he has another year on his contract left there. Um, you know, he's a fighter, man. You know what? He ain't, he's and he's not going to back down, and I guarantee he probably is mumbling under his breath at a few of those fans on the way back to. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> you have to be. And here, here's the thing, and I wanted to bring this up to you, and and I'll uh, you know because I'll let you know and and everybody else who didn't see the report yesterday because I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this and I'll let you run and I want to hit more on it. But so Andy Martino of SNY had a report out. Yes, no. Look, let me start with as a member of the media, I don't know who the sources are. I 
it's a report. Doesn't mean it definitely happened. Who the hell knows, right? But right. you still you look at it okay. So he had this report out yesterday that said that more than one Yankee player told their agent last week that playing at the stadium, quote, was an unusually brutal experience during the series against the Astros. Um, it was hard for many teammates to believe that they booed Judge, which it, that was stupid, by the way. I mean, look, Yankee fans and my whole family, Yankee fans, except me. And if I heard that any of them booed Aaron Judge, I'd yell at them, too. I mean, it's just stupid. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Um, right. People were upset and about and sympathetic to what Josh Donaldson went to. A longtime executive said, I get that it's a World Series or bust, but damn, they've become spoiled. You played in New York. You understand New York. You manage against New York. You can't be weak in New York. I don't know that this happened. It's hard. It's it's always amazing how when people say this, right? And this, these things don't come out of nowhere. But people don't say who said it because those people are too afraid, right? So their their feelings are hurt. The players, whoever it is, and I know it's not Josh who would do this, but play whoever it is is upset. Like how the hell could they boo us, right? But they're not going to say that to the paper, which would at least to me show me, okay, you want to talk some crap, talk it to the fan base and say it. They're going to tell someone who then tells a reporter. And then it looks even worse. Oh, having, yeah. having played in New York how and, and understanding those areas, Philly the same way, right, in this sport, Boston the same way, just how different of a mentality, Gibby, do you have to have to succeed as a baseball player in New York if you're playing for the Yankees or the Mets? Oh, it's, it's, it's totally different. Now, I didn't get on the field much, but I can remember early on when I did – I couldn't believe it. Remember the movie I was growing up and saw Escape from New York? Oh, yeah, of course. This is really, this is real. <laughs> it, I mean, it's like, uh, it's like, are you kidding me? I couldn't ask from a young kid from Texas. I, was 21. I thought, this is totally different. And they were, they were riding, they were ragging. I figured they're supposed to cheer their team, right? Uh, uh, any, anyway, so, and you see guys all the time when they, you know, the, certain guys have no trade cl clauses in their contract. And, and they New don't York, want to go there. It's right. Yeah, New York's New York's always on one of them, you know. Um, so I guess it could be worse. You could be playing for the Knicks, where they get they, hey, they hey get the it. Knicks are three and one. Oh, I'm a Knicks fan, don't give me crap. The Knicks are three and one. All right, <laughs> they do it all there right? all year, don't they? All right, yeah. it's a family show. Don't give me shit about the Knicks right now. They're three and one. All right, so I got four games in. I'm enjoying life right now. But you you know where I'm at. It's like because because here's yes. the thing. Just to give an example, right? So Chris Bassett. Uh, who's a terrific pitcher and a guy who pitched in a lot of times what happens because look this happened to CC to Carl Crawford he goes from Tampa Bay goes to Boston it looked like he forgot how to play I remember him dropping pop flies I mean all these right people this is not easy Carlos Beltran Kansas City the first year with the Mets couldn't figure it out Edwin Diaz Seattle first year with the Mets couldn't figure it out it takes time Lindor right Cleveland how many examples we got Tino Martinez when he came in for to film from Mattingly Didi Gregorius had a terrific career following Jeter right these things are hard but Bassett said something before his start that they showed during the game in game three where he failed in the postseason and I said, I admit it. And, and look, he seems like a nice guy. I said, he's a free agent. I said, he's gone because his comment was, you know, playing in New York is as hard as people said it was. And I'm proud of myself for getting through it. And I'm like, you can't to succeed in New York. You got to embrace it. You got to think it's crazy, oh, but yeah. love it. You got to like want it in your like Starling Marte watching him. He'll play in New York the rest of his career if he wants. So you got to have it in your veins to be able to handle that. How much, how much can you tell? from players as a manager in big moments, in big cities, in big games that you manage or are part of the guys that can and the guys that can't not by their performance, Gibby, you're at the plate, but how much can you tell Justin kind of seeing them and understanding them as people? 
which guys? Oh, yeah, have? there's there's no difference. You 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 know after after learning about some guy you've been around him, this guy's gonna would thrive under the, under pressure. This this guy won't. You know, I was a guy that didn't thrive under pressure too well, obviously. So I so I could probably sympathize. I could pick well, those I guys. Don't, up I don't think away. I don't think that's I don't think that's accurate. I mean, you weren't uh, you know you're, you're not a whole fan. By the way, you know, the point zero zero one percent of the people of the world that make Major League Baseball, right? So hey, right, yeah. let's let's be fair. Let's give you. No, a, I know, I got it. But, but but I guarantee you, I, I told you when I first first went there. I wouldn't have minded being down there, out there in Seattle, man. We could relax a little bit more. You can, where you can get away from the game. New York, New York, Boston, you can't get away from the game. You know, even LA is a mega media place. It's totally different, right? And if you can't embrace that, or you're not part of that. It, it's like my growing up. My favorite team, the Yankees. You know, with the uh, Thurman Munts and the Pinellas. Oh, yeah, well, they they'd fight you, right? Those guys and were tough. perfect for that. Yeah, tough. I, you know, I had Donaldson on. I said. Yeah, that's what Yankee fans want. They want those Tough. kind of people. They don't want the it's guys. Like, they don't want the guys going down there fashion you, week. You, you know, you, you can't. Off. You can't. I remember. Yeah, uh, I remember specifically, and a guy lightly, uh, but I remember Nick Swisher when he played there. There was a time where he got upset and said, "Now he did say publicly that he was mad that the fans were booing." And after that, I know fans like friends of mine are from there who literally they checked out on him after that. They want. People in New York and F Reese Hoskins, Philly fans, he'll be a hero forever because they screamed at him. He couldn't play first base. He couldn't hit. He was a bust after home runs. He sat there, took it all, played every day for all these it years, does. and just hit five. That dude, he's going to get a statue if they go to win a World Series because that's what they're building you, right? It's like they want to drag you by the shirt and say, can you, can you handle it and stick it out? To right. your point. Guys like Donaldson, look, whether, you know, at 37 next year on performance-wise, who knows? But he's not going to be afraid of it. And certainly, no. you know, Aaron Judge, it's what makes him so special that he, with all the cauldron on him, not afraid of it. But, Gibby, you can't be a Yankee and telling me you're afraid to get booed. I mean, you got you're off the – I'm mean, honestly, if I find out that I'm the GM, if you're managing the team, you're Booney, I'm wanting to find out which players send that because that guy can't be on this team. You can't play here. If you're afraid of getting booed. Oh yeah. It's part of, it's almost like a compliment. They boo you. I mean, it's a compliment because they'll turn around. And they'll cheer you when you do something good. You know, I can remember one other quick funny story case. When I, when I first got there, I was scared to death. I'm going, you know, I, I was out there shagging balls and this is a Shea stadium at our home team. Right. I hear some little kid out of the corner of my eye, just ragging, cussing me out big time going, so I turn over there, and this little little kid and his old man standing next to him, look, look at this big old grin on his face like that, a boy. I'm going, <laughs> we're not in Texas so, anymore. <laughs> no, we <laughs> uh, But you know, yeah, we ain't Texas, but they don't want Texas flexing their muscle on them. Oh no, if, hey, hey, country strong. <laughs> yeah, I, and I know how that goes. All right, let me let me last you the last one and, and get out. Uh, how do you see this? The Philly's got the momentum ride. Said this the other day. Great thing about the World Series every year, Gibby. Both teams are telling the story, and it's a true story, of nobody could beat us. Everything's gone right. All the momentum, even though it's been different. The difference in the depth of the pitching, clearly, to Houston. The difference in the teams during the year, heavily towards Houston. That didn't matter last year. The Braves won anyway. How much of a shot you give Philly in this thing? Gosh, you know, it's a... Uh... They are. I mean, they're on a roll. They got, you know, they got that emotion going. They, they, they're on top of the world. The last team they qualified, right? So, who knows what might happen? But we see, we say they're the hottest team. Well, Houston hadn't lost a game yet, have they? In this post, no, they haven't lost yet. No, exactly. And they got, you know what? They they got some new players on the team, but they got the experience too. Uh, you know, they were just there last year. 
it's 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 a it's a toss up because I think you know Houston. I mean, uh, Philly's so confident right now. If they were just going in and just kind of well, you know, they snuck in somehow, things went their way. I think Houston would roll them, but I don't think that. But and they're a very balanced team. Other than I, I agree with you, I think Houston you give the edge to uh, with the, the pitching staff. So uh, it should be a good one. It should be a really good one. I, uh, I give me give me on the way out here. I know the first AA part is already came out. I saw that. When's the second part coming out of your spot with it? Monday. Without it's, it's coming Monday. Monday. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, what, what, AA gets so long winded. Oh, dude, he's yeah, well. Come on, GMs. I mean, he's. Uh, I mean, he, the problem well, he's, is he's too smart. These yeah, guys. Exactly. Are too, you got to talk to stupid people like me. It'll be a lot easier. <laughs> no, no, he just keeps talking, so so I don't I don't get a chance to talk, and people don't. He, so he gets. I don't have to ask as as long as as long as you're dressed and not in a bed, I think you're off to a good start. Uh, well, get, ain't no telling what I'll be next week or whatever. Hey, hey the, the sauna. Hey, I hope the series goes long enough because now I'll bug you again. I appreciate you, buddy. You know that. Enjoyed it. All Always right, do chatting with you. We'll catch up pal. soon. Thank you, bro. Be well. See you, bud. There he is, John Gibbons, good a dude as there is in the game, and as uh, as good a manager too, certainly. And look, you you think about this sport. If growing up in New York, you can be terrible, and I mean at anything. Like you could suck, you can't be weak. You cannot be weak. When I saw this article yesterday, and again, like I look, and I know Andy Martino well. You know, I don't think he's making this up out of nowhere. I don't know who the sources were, but I know this much. There's a reason the people who are afraid of getting booed are then too afraid to put their names next to it. Go tell an agent to go tell on the fans and go tattle that they're not being handled well enough. You're playing for the Yankees. Do you know who the hell you're playing for? That's not even like the Mets. You're playing for the Dallas Cowboys, the Montreal Canadiens, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Yankees. That's it. That's who you're playing for. I don't want to hear Cubs, Cardinals, Mets, Red Sox. That's it. That's the whole list. That's who you're playing for. In a postseason, where, mind you, you're looking at, you know, where you're FaceTiming Poppy for, you know, moral support, which is another thing. And I love you, Boone. But when I saw that piece, and if you go look at this report, that a, a horribly brutal time, First of all, you didn't hit and you got swept. That's why it should be a horribly brutal time. Now, Boo and Aaron Judge is dumb, but I watched them boo Derek Jeter. That was dumb. How do you boo Derek Jeter? Remember when he opened a season? Was he 0 for 32 or something like that? I mean, really? He can go 0 for 332. You can't boo Derek Jeter. But people are stupid. It's not New York. That's just stupid people everywhere. It's the million times that I've brought up things like this. Like, for example, Kenley Jansen, where after he won a World Series with the Dodgers, the first time the fans are back in the building, he walked the guy in the first ninth inning. He pitched and he booing him. That's dumb. You, That's just stupid. People who are, you know, look, I, Russell Wilson now, I mean, geez. But Russell Wilson, when he first came back to Seattle, I mean, my God, you can at least appreciate what the guy did for five seconds. And then you see one of the commercials, and I get it. Subway, I mean, my God, I can't even eat Subway anymore. You can't be in a spot where you play for the New York Yankees and you are complaining about how you are treated. 
You are getting paid most likely better than you would anywhere else. You are getting treated. I know from players I've talked to about how different it is that they've heard all this stuff about go to the Yankees, you get treated first class. You're basically like guarded by like secret service with that PR. Everything about how you are treated is first class. And you're at Yankee Stadium and you got pinstripes on. I'm a Met guy telling you that. That's the way it is. You can't sit there and complain. If you complain and you show weakness, you already beat yourself. You lost already. You can't be on the team anymore. To play in that city for that team specifically, even much more so than the Mets, if you can't hack it mentally, you can't do it physically and perform either. Now, you don't got to be crazy. You can be mild-mannered like a Bernie Williams was or like an Aaron Judge is, and, and you're just you're caring about your own performance and you're hard on yourself and you're doing all those successful things, and that noise ain't going to get to you. You could be like Roger Clemens was or other guys were and Jorge Posada and Paul O'Neill, and you could be feisty and fiery, and you could get at it that way too. But you can't be weak. It's like in Glengarry Glen Ross. The leads are weak. You're weak. The fans are weak. You're weak. You cannot play in New York if you are weak. Fact. End of story. Exclamation point. Sorry. So I don't know about who the sources were, who the players were, but I know this. If I'm Brian Cashman, if I'm Cashman Boone, if I'm Brian Cashman or Aaron Boone, I want the list. I want to find out who they were. They're off the team. You can't be that guy in that city on that team and succeed. Now, you could fail anyway. You can't suck. You can't be weak. You cannot be weak. You don't give effort or you're afraid and you're gone. What do you think the Ben Simmons story became what the Ben Simmons story is in Philadelphia now? Not because he couldn't shoot. Not because he didn't dunk when Trey Young was defending him in that one spot in a game, in a moment. It's because he looked weak and you can't be weak. Just the way it is. Don't make it right. Don't make it easy. But if it's not for you, it's not for you. As they say in Glengarry Glen Ross, in that same monologue from Alec Baldwin, if you want a friend, go buy a dog. Fans aren't always going to be your friend in those kind of cities. That's, that's it. You can't handle it. It's a wrap. We're a wrap here. And I get to say this. Tomorrow, the World Series gets underway. Let me say that again. Tomorrow, the World Series finally gets underway. Alex Cora, AC, will be with me. Knows the Strohs better than anybody. A longtime friend of mine, manager of the Red Sox, will be on board. Rec Anthony Recker will be here. We'll talk about just some of the many different pitching matchups and some of the things from behind the plate that these catchers are going to be looking for and two of the real, real good ones. And three of you include Vasquez, Real Muto, and Maldonado in terms of pitch week sequencing and calling a game and really probably the most unheralded and underrated but most integral and most important part of these games, and that is those matchups and winning those one-on-one matchups like the ones that we will see between Alvarado and Robertson or Dominguez or depending upon whom and when against a guy like Jordan Alvarez. You can always find us. You know when. It's noon Eastern time live. Believe YouTube, my YouTube channel, which you can find in the bio at Casey Stern on Twitter or on Twitter as well. Thank you to all the folks who were part of this. You can always join and get all the episodes on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts, including yesterday with Matt Holiday, Todd Frazier, Jason Stark, conversations like the ones I've had with Dusty Baker, among many, many others from around the league. We've even done hockey. We've got plenty of basketball and also nine parts of a Life Pod series because I think it's very important to continue to focus and pay attention 
to humans and mental health as well. We always pay attention to the people who make this possible, and we thank the folks at Bet Online because we, as always, on October Unfiltered and Unfiltered, are presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.